Welcome to the Think Generation of Wealth Podcast, episode number 51. And I am your host, Amir Estimo. First of all, I'd like to say thank you, as I have now recorded 50 episodes on this podcast. The podcast is growing little by little. I do appreciate each and every one of you that take the time to listen to this podcast that's here through the small time and hopefully eventually this podcast will become something of of probably something of value to you but also something where we can get the word out get the word out as far as generational wealth after that i like to say thank you for everyone uh, if you take the time to rate and review the podcast i do appreciate it subscribe to the podcast as my goal is to drop an episode every single week. Now, I know the last two weeks I've been on a hiatus is because I've been out spending time with family, vacationing. So sometimes you just need that mental break. You need that break from the world. You need the break for everything around you to at least get your mental health right. Because as we see with this pandemic, how mental health is so important especially at this time and age, it's very imperative for you to just take some time for yourself, for your family, to just focus on growth. So that's the reason you probably have you haven't heard anything from me the last couple of weeks. But now your boy is back. We have a great episode today, episode number 51. This episode, I will be sharing a recording with you guys of Les Brown. Now, I've been on a personal development tour, I could say, or just a personal development, just getting myself focused on myself, learning to better myself, learning new skill sets that I could use to continue this message that I'm platform that I want to build as far as getting the message out as far as generational wealth. But I think it's very important if you're going to build any type of wealth is to have personal development is to really get yourself in a position to where not only you learning, but you're growing because if you're not learning or growing, then you're dying right now. Les Brown is someone I've been listening to for a while. I like to share a episode of an audible of the personal development that he he's he's one of the fathers, I think not even say fathers, but probably one of the greatest speakers out now in the world. And Les Brown has really his message has really resonated with me. So I thought it was important to share this episode with you guys today. So as you guys listen to this episode, take some time, take some notes, see some things in here. Hopefully this is of value to you because I know there's some things in here that he's going to share that can help someone today that may be struggling with something, whether it's confidence, whether it's anything that it's holding you back from being the best version of yourself. So that's why I really wanted to share this episode with you guys today. So now as we we record episode number 51, so the next probably two to three episodes will be a less brown recording that I'll be sharing with you guys okay now again if you guys can take the time help a brother out 
rate and review the podcast, share the podcast, wherever you get your podcast. So if you're an Apple, there's a purple app on there. Go on, uh, go on there and you can leave a rating and you can review the podcast. I love any type of feedback, whether it's good, bad. It's only going to help me get better. So just be real with me and I, I appreciate it. So again, these next couple of series is going to be Les Brown recordings. And now I can get you guys ready to listen to this episode. When I think about a role model for me and who has had the greatest impact in my life, I'm sure everybody would say, Mamie Brown, you got that right. And what I realize about my mother is that when my mother adopted us, she did day's work. And then after that, she worked in the M&M cafeteria in downtown Miami. My mother had absolutely no idea on how she was going to raise two children by herself. She had no idea. And five years after that, she adopted my sister. Now, that said something to me. Because many times, I think the reason that most people don't do the things they want to do, don't achieve the goals that they can achieve, is they look at where they are, look at where they want to go, and they ask themselves the question, how am I going to do it? And they don't get any answers back. Well, I think that we all familiar with the statement, you must walk by faith and not by sight. That I believe that life does not give you any answers until you first make the plunge. That you've got to go out there. You've got to be willing to take a chance. You've got to be willing to risk. And most people go through life playing it safe. Viscott said, if you're not willing to risk, you cannot grow. And if you cannot grow, you cannot become your best. And if you cannot become your best, you cannot be happy. And if you can't be happy, then what else is there? So my mother was willing to take a chance. If you'd ask her, give me a plan of action, Mamie Brown, on how you're going to raise these boys. You've never had any children before. How are you going to do that? Now that said something to me. My mother never did that before. She had never had any children herself. And here she is saying, I'll take them. Boy, what confidence. There had to be something there. What was it? My mother knew within herself she could do it. I'm saying that whatever goal you have, you've got to know within yourself you can do it. So my mother had to know there was a knowing that she operated with that she could do it. She couldn't prove it, but she knew it. See, you can't prove everything, but there are certain things that you just know. Next thing is she made the commitment. And that's what I feel that I have done and people who have ever done anything in life, they made the commitment that I'm going to do it. They became no matter what people. And that's what my mother did. She was determined to provide for us no matter what. Was it hard? Yes. It was very difficult. There were times when we did not have food to eat. There were times when mama became ill working at the M&M cafeteria and she dropped a big pot of hot food and she was incapacitated for a long period of time. I remember when my mother was home ill and my sister had attempted to open up a can of sardines and she wasn't successful and she left her sardines in the refrigerator and we believed that they had spoiled and it was all we had in the house. And I remember not having any relatives. 
I went to mama who was in bed. She was ill. And we said, mama, there's some sardines in the refrigerator. Can we eat them? And she said, no, you might get tomaine poisoning. She said, bring them to me. I will eat some of it first. If I get sick, you go call Miss Catherine. If I don't, then you can have them. And I remember say, oh, mama, that's okay. And she's no, it's okay. It's all right. Just bring them to me. I won't eat that much. And she ate some of their sardines and, and we sat there looking at her and I was walking back and forth. And I think I've always been an old person. My brother was not as emotionally involved as I was. And I was hoping, oh, Lord, please don't let mama get sick. And I kept on asking, Mama, are you all right? Are you all right? She was perspiring and she was moaning and groaning from the pain of the sickness that she already had. And she said, I'm all right, son. I'm all right. I'm all right. And she said, after a while, I'm not feeling any pain in my stomach. It's okay. You can eat the sardines. And shortly thereafter, a minister around the corner from a church brought some food over. It was around Christmas time. Reverend Ed Graham. Never forget that tall man coming to the door, knocking on the door, said, I heard there's a family here that needs some food. And I answered the door. I said, yes, sir. And he brought us a food basket. And I said, looking at him, I like to be like him. And I think that was when I saw my destiny because I used to go to church and sit in the back and watch him. And he was a master orator. I think at different times we are confronted with our destiny. And I said, I'd like to be like Reverend Graham. And then again, when I saw Mr. Leroy Washington, the speech and drama teacher at Booger T. Washington High School. And then again, when I saw Zig Ziglar and Dr. Norman Vincent Peale and other great speakers, I said within myself, I'd like to be like them. After I said, I'd like to be like them, there's another part of me that lower consciousness has said, but you can't. Who are you? You're nobody. You have no college education. You're educable, mentally retarded. You make F's all the time. You fail twice in school. You're slower than most people. You can't do that, Les Brown. Who are you fooling? Come on, be realistic. See, if you want to reach your goals, if you want to do more in life, I don't think that you can be realistic in a sense. I think that you have to be unreasonable if you want to produce unreasonable results in your life. Because logical, reasonable thinking will tell you, given my circumstances, given my environment, given what life has dealt me, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. See, logical thinking caused man for years to walk and ride the backs of animals because logical, realistic thinking said, you can't do anything else. You can't fly. If God wanted man to fly, he would have given you wings like he gave the birds wings. You can't fly, fool. <laughs> See, when you decide that you want to soar, you're going to have inner conversation telling you, building a logical case on why you can't do it within yourself. And you're going to have people outside of yourself chiming in telling you you can't do it. Not only did I learn from a mother that you must know within yourself that you can do what it is you want to do, even though you don't have any evidence to prove it and you must make the commitment to do it. But the other thing that I learned from my mother was that you've got to be positive about life. You've got to feel and affirm constantly 
that things can happen for you positively. My mother used to say when times are very hard for us, it's not going to be this way always. Things are going to get better. Real soon. When, Mama? I don't know when, but real soon. And she used to say to my brother and I, you're going to be something. You're going to be somebody. was very key for me because I remember when I came in contact with the man that changed my life in a real positive sense. I was waiting for a friend of mine by the name of MacArthur Stevens, who was a student of Mr. Washington, who was a speech and drama teacher at this high school. MacArthur did not come in for rehearsal, and I had been coming there time and time again, listening to all of the lines of the various plays and waiting on this gentleman to come and this day he didn't show up then mr washington asked me to do something and i told him I, I i can't do that sir and he said why not and i told him that i was in this particular instructor's class which was a special education class all the students knew it but i didn't want to embarrass myself and he said it doesn't matter go to the board and follow my directions and i said i can't do that sir and he said why not and i said because i'm educable mentally retarded and he came from around his desk and he looked at me and he stared at me and he said, don't ever say that again. Someone's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. And while I was humiliated on one hand, I felt liberated on the other. And I realized that most people live within the context of the ideas and the opinions that people have of us. And I think that a lot of people have dropped out of life because someone told them something they couldn't do or they weren't good enough, and they believed them. And part of what has happened for me is that once I realized that someone's opinion of me did not matter, that what people think about me really is not important, what is important is what I think about myself, I realized in my talking to people that you've got to check out what kind of thoughts and opinions and feelings do you have about you because the limitations that you have and the negative things that you have that you've internalized have been given to you by the world and that the things that will empower you and that strong sense of appreciation are things that you're going to have to give yourself that nobody's going to give that to you and you've got to give yourself that love you've got to turn that energy that you have into self-love as opposed to self-destruction that you've got to say to you, there is something special in me, that there is some basic goodness in me, and I have a right to manifest it. I have an obligation and a responsibility to manifest it everywhere I can, in my family life, in the workplace, on the planet, finding some cause that I can contribute to because I can make a difference on this earth. I think that you can exist in a negative environment and you have a choice to not allow that to exist in you. It amazes many people that I'm not a recovering drug addict or alcoholic, and I lived around it. I've seen people shoot up drugs. I remember a very close friend of mine who was like a beatnik dude who loved to smoke marijuana. It never fazed me, in fact, I cannot remember even being offered drugs by anyone that knows me. 
People who ever offered me any drugs or alcohol are people who did not know me. And I think that we can't always control the hand that we're dealt in certain situations. But we can always control who we are. And that what most people do, they punk out on themselves. Most people give up on who they are in deference to a strong personality in the crowd. Because most people go through life wanting to be loved, wanting people to like them, wanting to be popular, wanting to be accepted. And I believe that the lower your self-appreciation is, the less you feel about yourself, the greater the need for you to want to be accepted and be loved by others. And that's why it's so important that we start early on empowering ourselves and having people around us that can empower us and make us feel our own sense of specialness and uniqueness. I had a strong sense of purpose in my life. I knew that I was going to be somebody, that I was going to do something special with my life, and that drugs, alcohol, the poverty, the hopelessness that I saw, that I observed, was not it for me, that this was not my destiny, that there were bigger and better things for me. How was I going to get there? I don't know. It was constantly my fantasy. That's why it's so very important for us to hold this vision of who we want to be and where we want to go. I used to dream about it, holding that vision in the future. I used to listen to the radio quite often, and there were two guys on radio that I admired when I was a little boy. Paul Harvey and another guy by the name of Sam Geisen. And listening to these guys on radio and the local disc jockeys who played the music during that time, Milton Butterball Smith, Nighthawk, Fred Hanna, the Nick with the Solid Kick, Wild Man Steve, these very animated personalities on radio in Miami, Florida, they fascinated and captured the imagination of children that listened to radio at that particular time. And I wanted to become a disc jockey. So Mr. Washington, who was my drama teacher, used to say that once you open your mouth, you tell the world who you are. And he talked about the power of the spoken word and the importance of developing yourself and developing your vocabulary. Well, being labeled educable, mentally retarded, and the kids used to tease us and call us dodos, I wanted to begin to expand my vocabulary so that I would throw them off. And I began to read the dictionary every day and memorize words. And I developed little rhymes when girls would say, hey, what's your name? I say, hey, they call me Mr. Vocabulary. Linguistically or rationally, I'm emphatic that I possess an ad infinitum etymology, which is simply incomparable. However, I believe in the simplicity of life. I want to be like Columbus and discover you. <laughs> you know how kids do things. So I started working to develop myself as a speaker and wanting to be like Mr. Washington, who was an eloquent speaker. And when I decided to become a disc jockey, I was working on Miami Beach at the time. I was working for the Miami Sanitation Department, but I was still contacting Mr. Washington and he was working and helping me to develop my voice. And I used to participate in various plays that he was producing. And I decided that this was something I wanted to do. I always enjoyed talking to people. And finally, I decided that I was going to apply for a job at this radio station. And so I went over and I saw a guy coming out and they called him Butterball, Milton Butterball Smith. And I said, how you doing, Mr. Butterball? He said, fine. I said, my name is Les Brown. I like to apply for a job as a disc jockey. He looked at me in my overalls and my straw hat because I used to cut grass on Miami Beach and work for the sanitation department. And he said, um, you have any experience? I said, no, sir, I don't. You have any journalism background? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, we don't have any job for you. Well, 
I went back and told Mr. Washington, he said, it's okay. He said, don't take it personal. He said, some people are so negative, they have to say no seven times before they say yes. He said, go back to him again. So I went back again. I said, hello, Mr. Butterball, how are you doing? He said, fine. He said, what do you want now? I said, I'd like to know whether or not you have any jobs available. He said, didn't I just tell you yesterday we didn't have any jobs? I said, yes, sir, but I, I thought maybe that somebody got sick or somebody got laid off. He said, nobody got sick or laid off. He said, we don't have any jobs. So I left and I came back again like I'd seen him for the first time. And I said, hello, Mr. Butterball, how are you doing? He said, what do you want now, young man? I'm busy. I said, you have any jobs available? He said, didn't I just tell you yesterday and day before we didn't have any jobs? I said, I didn't know, sir. I thought maybe somebody died or got laid off or fired. No one died or got laid off. Leave me alone. I don't have time to mess with you. And so I said, yes, sir. And I left. And then I came back the next day like I'd seen him for the first time. I said, hello, Mr. Butterball. How are you? My name is Les Brown. He said, I know what your name is. He said, go get me some coffee. Make yourself useful. And I did that. I went to get their coffee. Mr. Washington said, if you want more out of life, he said, you've got to be willing to pay your dues. So I went to the store to get his coffee. I became the errand boy for the station. They would have me go get their dinner for them. And after a while, they began to trust me. And I would bring the food in the control room, and I would not leave until they would ask me to leave. And then I would go pick up entertainers that came to town at the Miami International Airport and drive the disc jockeys' big, long Cadillacs. I'd pick up um, Donna Ross and the Supremes, the Four Tops, Sam Cooke, the Temptations. I'd drive them all over Miami Beach in the disc jockeys' big, long cars. But I didn't have any driver's license, but I was driving like I had. <laughs> then one day, while I was at the radio station, one of the guys by the name of Rock was drinking while he was on the air. And there I was at the radio station. See, I believe that if you want more out of life, you've got to be hungry. And so there I was at the station, walking back and forth and looking at him through the control room window. I was saying, drink, Rock, drink. I'd go to get him some more if he'd ask me to. I said, drink, Rock. I was ready. I was young and I was hungry. Pretty soon the phone rang and it was the general manager. I answered the phone. I said, hello? He said, Les, this is Mr. Klein. I said, I know. He said, Rock can't finish his program. I said, I know. He said, would you send one of the other disc jockeys to come in? Would you call him up? I said, yes, sir. I hung the phone up. I said, now he must think I'm crazy. I called my mom and my girlfriend, Cassandra. I said, y'all come out on the front porch and turn up the radio. I'm about to come on the air. I waited for about 15 to 20 minutes, and I called him back. I said, Mr. Klein? I can't find nobody. He said, young boy, do you know how to work the controls? I said, yes, sir. He said, go in there and don't say nothing here. Yeah? I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get old Rock out of the way. I sat down behind that turntable. I said, look out, this is me, LB, Triple P. Let's find your platter playing papa. There were none before me and there will be none after me. Therefore, that makes me the one and only. Young and single and love to mingle, certified, bonafide, and dubbly qualified to bring you satisfaction, a whole lot of action. Look out, baby, I'm your love man. I was hungry. <laughs> See, if you want more out of life, you have got to be hungry. You've got to be willing to spend the time to burn the midnight oil, to rehearse and to practice, to make calls again and again and again. When everybody else gets tired and ready to go home, you've got to be hungry enough that you refuse to give up, that you become a no matter what person, that you have set some goals for yourself, and I'm going to achieve these goals no matter what. And I was determined to get into broadcasting. And I got in there, and I did it, because I refused to be denied. I was hungry. <laughs> when you're working on your goals and challenges in life, you're going to have some setbacks. You're going to have some disappointments. And I suffered a major setback in my career. 
I really identify with millions of people who have, through restructurings or downsizing, have been displaced and lost their jobs. And particularly, when you've been doing something all of your life and you feel that that's it and that's all that you know how to do. And there I was, at the top of my career, I was fired out of broadcasting because I was very controversial. I was a disc jockey, I became a community commentator, and I was editorializing a lot of community issues, and I lost my job. And broadcasting was my life. It was everything to me. And I had to make some crucial decisions about what I was going to do. And it was a very depressing, challenging time. But during that time, what I did was I started using my energy positively. I stayed busy. See, a lot of people, when things happen to them, they stop doing anything. And when you do that, you become overwhelmed with the problem that you're facing. You become extremely negative and down in yourself. And you start becoming bitter and angry and feeling sorry for yourself. And you start little mini pity parties and you can call up friends and complain and they'll chime in with you tell you yeah it's really bad they fired you after all you've done so one of the things that i believe and one of the things i observed from my mother that anytime my mother suffered any type of setback or disappointment she kept on going she just kept on going and so i just kept moving and trying to figure out what i was going to do next and i decided at the request of a friend of mine who worked at the station, said, you know what, you always like to help people, you ought to run for political office. I said, what do I know about political office? He said, well, most of the people don't know anything about political offices when they run. Then they get there and they learn. I said, you gotta be kidding. He said, no. I said, well, why not? Once again, I was willing to stretch, I was willing to grow. I went down the day before the filing deadline and decided to run for state representative in Columbus, Ohio. I told myself that I could do this. And I started going to the legislature and watching, sitting up in the galleries, watching the legislative process. I became a student. I started doing research in the political arena, just like I did when I prepared to go into broadcasting. And I suggest to many people that you have the ability to do other things that you never, ever will begin to imagine that you can do until you challenge yourself. This was another stretch for me. And I decided I can do it. Why not? I became a student at the legislature and listening to the guys and the women there, I said, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. I ran, I worked every day. I spent eight to 10 hours a day going door to door. When I was in broadcasting, I used to have a saying when I was on the air, stand up for what you believe in because you can fall for anything. I said, tell everybody you know that Les Brown is still standing. And eventually I beat an incumbent and won in the Ohio legislature from the 29th House District and became the chairman of the Human Resource Committee when I was elected the third time. But my first term, I introduced legislation and passed more legislation in my first term than any legislator up to that time in the history of the Ohio legislature. Now, what was different for me? One of the things I did was I decided that there was life after broadcasting, that I could do something else that I challenged myself to learn something else and I ventured into another arena. I believe that wherever you are right now, you have the talents and abilities to go into another arena, that as you challenge yourself to discover that higher self in you, as you begin to grow and to develop and stretch, 
that there are things that you don't even know that are in you right now. That when you put yourself in a position where you have to stretch, when you go outside of your comfort zone, that you'll begin to call on some powers and talents and abilities that you have within you right now that you don't even know you have. That they're just lying there dormant within you. That you have never called on them. And as you challenge yourself, you'll discover things about you that you don't know. And I say to you that that will give you a feeling of accomplishment, a feeling of achievement, a sense of purpose, a sense of personal power that words cannot describe. I say to you that there's more in you than you're now expressing. Jim Rowan says something that has a chilling effect on me every time I hear it. He said, can you imagine getting to the end of your life, looking back only to discover that you only use 10% of what was given you? Perhaps that's what Henry David Thoreau meant when he asked the question agonizing, Oh God, to reach the point of death only to realize that you've never lived. Only to realize that you've not scraped the surface of your potential. I've decided that I want life to use me up. And I hope that that's your decision. To allow life to use you up. Most people... When they go to their graves, you can write on their tombstone, dead but not used up yet. I hope you don't take anything with you, but leave everything here that you brought to the charms. All right, all right, all right. That was Les Brown. You got to be hungry. I think that's a very good saying right there. Uh, he has another one that says, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll be amongst the stars. And you think about it. What resonated with me was when he talked about the DJ, how he wanted to be a disc jockey. And he was just doing the little things. He went to apply for a job. They said no. The guy said no. Then he came back again the next day. His persistence eventually paid off. Came back the next day, still said no. Then he started doing coffee runs. And then he was picking up entertainers in Cadillac, even though he didn't have a license. But he acted like he did. Until eventually someone's, I can say, basically failure helped propel his career. And a lot of times, some of us are so stuck and listen, it's not that I, I have it's not that I have the answers myself too, but I think when it comes to things we want to achieve in life, we tend to put that on the back burner or we don't go for our dream. And if you listen towards the end of the episode of the Audible where he talked about he's saying how some people they they are not empty. They die and they go basically bring everything with them and when you really think about it this time that you have on this planet is very very minimal and you think about it if you you should not you should leave this planet empty everything any talents that was given to you should be you should share with the world and like I said, it's not that I have I'm in the same boat like many of y'all that are trying to figure out what's the next move. But I started realizing that 
you guys start taking action because I don't know how many how much time I got left on this planet and I want to be able when it's that time not to be morbid or anything like that but when it's that time I want to leave empty-handed I don't want to go with anything I don't want to lie on any deathbed and realize that I didn't achieve the things I wanted to achieve that's why it's so important if you have anything a dream a fantasy anything that you realize that's only going to better you go for it don't wait don't take time make sacrifices and go for it so i think hopefully this recording was a value to you uh, next week's episode will be episode number 52 and it will be another less brown recording I truly believe personal development is some of the most underrated thing. If you see most millionaires, billionaires, what they believe in is personal development, whether it's hiring a mentor, whether it's hiring a coach, whether it's taking a course, whether it's reading books, whatever it is to better yourself, to help push you. Right. And Les Brown talked about that is that for you to continue, get out of your circle getting out of your comfort zone because when you in your comfort zone you can't grow but when you're out of your comfort zone your comfort zone expands and that's what it is it's correlates comfort zone correlates to even finance if you stay in one little area you can't make the money you would like to make so sometimes you have to go and become uncomfortable again to even make more money whether it's business job wise anything so Hopefully this episode was of value to you. This was episode number 51, just to be sure, but it was episode number 51 titled, You Gotta Be Hungry. Folks, hopefully this is good for you. I do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode towards the end. If you want to reach me, reach me at the Amir Estimo on Instagram. Reach me at ThinkGenWealth. Your boy is still learning how to grow the Instagram page. So if any of you who listen to this episode who is good with marketing, I would really appreciate anybody that could help with the growth, growing my Facebook pages. That would really be appreciated. Hit me up at Amir Estimo, Amir.estimo at Estimo Holdings. That is with an S plural.com. So reach out to me there and we can connect and we can set something up. Okay. But until then, I appreciate you guys. Much love. See you next week.